Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's gonna change our lives and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm gonna come back and pray for your needs and I believe God's gonna touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Luke chapter 16, I want to read 13 verses of scripture to you today. I want to preach about breaking the spirit of mammon. We are still in a, oh, it got quiet. We are still in a series called Under the Influence, and we are talking about spirits that are working in and against the church. How many know that these spirits are not ones that we can go out and criticize happening in culture? There are plenty of demons out in the world, but I want you to know there's some spirits working against the church. And if the church doesn't understand the weapon of the enemy against the church, then we could fall prey to it. And I want to teach this today, uh, recognizing this, that when a pastor comes to the pulpit to talk about money, first of all, you need to understand, if it's your first Sunday, um, very, very rarely do we get up and make a long speech about resources and giving. But, but there are times when we need to take a heart check of where we are in our own life. And I have found that when God tests my heart and checks my heart, he often uses resources and financial situations to get my attention. And as I will show you today, when Jesus teaches this thing on mammon and materialism and on, on, on money, as soon as he gets through teaching this, the Pharisees start talking about his sermon and making fun of him. And it really doesn't matter if it's Jesus or a pure-hearted preacher trying to just preach the truth. People come to church and don't want to talk about money. But most of the time, it's because that person got a spirit of mammon anyway. Oh, yeah, I said it. And, uh, and, and what I want us to get delivered from is depending on anything but God for our future. Because how many know God can take care of you like nobody can take care of you? And that's what I want to talk about today. What are you depending on? What are you trusting in for your future? Who are you serving? Look at your neighbor and tell them who are you serving. Yeah. It's going to be tight for a few minutes here. But I promise you, if you hold on, the breakthrough's coming. Glory. Luke chapter 16. When you have it, say amen. Verse 1 reads this way. So he said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man. Say a certain rich man. Well, first of all, let's back up. He said to who? Come on, talk to me. Who did he talk to? His disciples. He was not talking to the world. He was not talking to sinners. He was talking to his own people. Spirits at work in and against the church. This is why Jesus talks about it to his disciples because Jesus understands the temptation for the body. And I want you to understand it as well. He said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. How many would be mad about that? So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account for your stewardship. You can no longer be a steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do for my master is taking the stewardship away from me? I cannot dig and I am too ashamed to beg. So I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Now watch what this joker does. So he calls every one of his master's debtors to him. And he said to the first, 
how much do you owe my master? So you have this steward who works for a master and he's stealing money from the master. The master's about to fire him. And because he knows he's going to lose his job, he's trying to think of how to take care of his financial future. So what he does is he goes to the people who owed his master money and he gives them a discount. And so he says to this first one, uh, this is verse six, he said, uh, verse five, how much do you owe my master? And he said, I owe you master a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. So how many can see he gave him a half off coupon? Okay. So this dude says, I'm going to bless these jokers who owe my master's money so that when I don't have a job, they'll remember how good I was to them and they'll take care of me. How many know this is a sly little creature here? Look at verse number six, uh, verse number seven. Then he said to another one, um, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take your bill and write 80, another coupon, 20% off. Wow. So the master commended, he commended. He's getting ready to fire him, but he commends him. He commends the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. He wasn't approving of the man's sin. What he was trying to get the children of light to see is you got to think about stewardship in a way that honors the kingdom and honors God. And you, you got to make sure as you're managing stuff, you set yourself up with what you have to have a blessed and prosperous future. He's not, he's not approving sin. He's trying to get them to see planning ahead and stewarding appropriately is necessary. Let's keep going. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of the world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Verse 9. I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. Make friends for yourself with or by unrighteous mammon. This has confused so many people. This passage of scripture has confused a lot of people. Listen to what he says. Make friends for yourselves with unrighteous mammon that when you fail, I'll explain that in a minute, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? Therefore, uh, pardon me, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Listen to what he says. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now this thing shifts from just money to an object of your servanthood and worship. That is the reason why I'm going to show you today that mammon is not just money. Mammon is a spirit attached to money. And it affects people who do not trust God and it wants to affect you and I in the day that we're living. How many know this world gets crazier by the hour it seems? But how many know God can be trusted? Hear me church, God can be trusted. Somebody give some praise to God if you believe he can be trusted. Pray for me, I'll pray for you. Lord, help us break the spirit of mammon off our life, off our people, anywhere it exists in me. Take it out of me, God. 
I don't want to serve mammon. I don't want to serve and become a slave to stuff and, and the riches of this world. I want, us, I want us to serve you with all of our heart, trust you with all of our heart. Help me learn to lean on you like I've never leaned on you before, Lord. In these uncertain times, I'm thankful there is a rock. I'm thankful there is an anchor and it holds in the time of storm. Bless your people today, we pray in Jesus' name and everyone in the church said amen. You can take a seat. What, or rather, should I say, who is mammon? What is mammon? Who is mammon? I think in order for us to understand this spirit of mammon, it's important for us to know the context in which Jesus speaks this word mammon to us. Mammon is only mentioned four times in the whole Bible. Every time it is mentioned, it is mentioned through the lips of our Lord. Jesus is the only one who addresses mammon. He addresses it in both Matthew and in Luke. In Luke 16, the passage I read here, the context is clear. He's talking about issues of stewardship. I did not read it. I probably mention it before I am through with this sermon today, but he also mentions it in Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter. And for those of you who are scriptorians and those of you who are studiers and purveyors of the word of God, you recognize that Matthew chapter 6 is right smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' uh, most important sermon he ever preached. Of those that he preached, it is the most quoted. It is the most lived by because we recognize that when we get to the Sermon on the Mount, we are not wasting time. We we don't see Jesus talking about unfruitful, uh, unimportant things. The Sermon on the Mount is a large audience, and he's trying to tell the audience how to, how to leave and exit this life of burden and care and worry and enter into the peace and the kind of life that Jesus intended for you and I to live in. And I don't have time to go through all that is in the Sermon on the Mount, but the, the very middle, in the very middle of the Sermon on the Mount is this speech that comes about giving and about money. I find that interesting that in the middle of the most important message Jesus ever preaches, he actually starts talking about possessions. And if I had time, I would read to you at the end of Luke chapter 16 when he got through teaching about mammon and you can't serve two masters. It said, now the Pharisees heard him talking to the disciples and the Pharisees started chatting him and deriding him and mocking him about the sermon he had just preached. And the reason why the Pharisees were talking about Jesus' little sermonette on giving and on mammon and on serving God, it says this in the text. It says in the 15th verse that the Pharisees actually loved money. And when you love money, you get mad at people who talk about money. And when money is your God and when money is the thing that you pursue and when money is the thing that you chase, you actually get offended when people, especially those who are called to teach the body of Christ how to live and, and the word of God doesn't hide this issue of resources and, 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 and stewardship and management. It actually talks a lot about it. And when we are called to talk about it, people who don't want to hear anything that brings accountability into their life do what the Pharisees did to Jesus and they mock to ride and they throw their hands up and say, I, ain't, I actually had somebody come to me in the, in the lobby uh, uh, in one of our campuses and said, I'm coming to this church because the last church I went to, all he did was talk about money. And uh, I said, well, I'm preaching on money today. And he looked at me like I was playing a joke and I said, buckle up, we're going somewhere. And so somewhere and halfway through, he didn't have the stamina to stay with me. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless him in all of his ways.
But the reality of it is we don't like to be confronted about money, but money is something that reveals the condition of our heart. Money has a way of revealing what we're, the true substance of what we are about, of who we are. And, and you, you, wanna, you, want to, you want to get on somebody's good or bad side, just, just understand that what you do with money, with their money, whether you give it to them or in some way you, you take it away from them, just, just, just test somebody with their money. Money will show you what's in the heart. And Jesus always had a way of going right for the jugular. Jesus didn't play games. Jesus wasn't going to, to play religious games with the Pharisees. In fact, they're mad about a sermon he's preaching to the disciples. He wasn't even talking to the Pharisees. The Bible said they overheard him. Isn't it funny that sometimes God will talk to us about what we do with our money and religious people who, ain't, who he ain't even talking to have the unmitigated, y'all ain't talking to me today, they have the unmitigated gall to get mad at a sermon that wasn't even directed to them. God already knew what was in the heart of the Pharisees. The Bible said they loved money and the Bible said they were chasing it and that what they had in their heart was an abomination to God. This is all in Luke chapter 16. And so what, to, what I want you to hear me say today, if you can't handle and don't like this message, I'm probably not even talking to you. But if you're in the room today and, and God is trying to talk to the hearts of his disciples, then perhaps God would use this message to convict somebody who feels like that, the, that they're on one road pursuing one thing and today maybe God is trying to intercept the destructive pattern that your life is in so that you stop chasing stuff that can't give you what you're really looking for and begin to pursue a God who give you abundance and more than enough because I found this out if you chase money and get it you can still be bankrupt but if you chase God and get him and you're blessed it don't matter what you got in the bank my God shall supply all my needs I want to first of all start out by telling you and dispelling several myths number one Money is not the root of all evil. Well, that ain't what my mama told me. Your mama was wrong. I love your mama. She's sweet. But mama and, and plenty of people I was raised with told me money was evil. Money is not evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Number two, I want to dispel the myth that God has more pleasure in watching you stay broke than being blessed. God never sends a wealthy person to hell simply because they're wealthy. He never judges wealth as something that is evil. It's about what you did to have it. And how willing you are to disregard everything else in life to go get it. Some people chase things. And when they get them, they find out it's not as precious and valuable as it seemed. I know people who don't have tons of money but are blessed. I also know people who have tons of money and are blessed. I also know people who have tons of money and are cursed and unhappy in life. Because money can never give you what only God made a promise he could give you. And some, some people are chasing stuff, and, 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 and what I want to get to is why do we chase this? Let me, let me break it down like this. Let me give you the three things I did with Jezebel. I think this is the simplest way I can do it. I want to talk about the DNA of the spirit of mammon. I want to talk about discerning when it is in, 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 uh, invading your life. And I want to talk to you, number three, about how to deal with it or destroy it. 
Number one, say the DNA of mammon. So that some people say mammon is not a spirit. Everything is not a spirit. No, everything is not a spirit, but mammon is a spirit. Mammon is a spirit. And let me tell you why I believe that. In the text, Jesus mentions mammon and no one else ever does. No one else talks about it. Now, they talk about materialism. They talk about the riches of this world. But Jesus is the only one who dresses mammon as such as the word. And the word mammon comes from the Aramaic, and it is literally, in the Babylonian culture, it was the god of materialism, the god of riches. Literally, it was the god of riches. And if you ever see a picture of the god of the Babylonian, of the Babylonian god of mammon, you would see this rather demonic-looking creature sitting on a pile of gold. That was sort of the symbol of what, of what mammon was. It was this God that was sitting on a pile of gold. So watch this. In order to get the gold, they had to serve and worship the God sitting on the gold. And so whenever, and first, I think it's incredibly interesting that, that this God emerged out of the Babylonian culture. Say the Babylonian culture. And the reason I believe it's interesting that it emerges out of the Babylonian cultures because if you study the word of God, you will find that Babylon came from the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis. And the book, uh, the book of Genesis reveals the movement of Babylon and those who built the Tower of Babel. They were a society of people, don't miss this, who were trying to touch heaven, reach heaven, and, 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 and establish a pathway into life without having to go through God. So what we see in this Babylonian culture is we see this ongoing attempt to produce the kind of society in which people can have all that God has promised them without having to go through God to get the promise. There are people who literally want to be wealthy and don't need God for their wealth. There are people who literally want to be financially secure but don't depend on God for their financial security. Help me, church. There are people who literally want to have have peace of mind when they lay down at night, but they don't want to have to go through God to find the peace. So if you don't serve God and worship God and make God the object of your affection, then you are relegated to some demon spirit that has a pot of gold sitting under him. And in order for you, if you're not going to go to God to meet your need, then you're going to go find the spirit of mammon who has the gold. Uh, but I want to unveil something to you today. Uh, the the demon spirit of mammon can tell you it has the gold all it wants to. But Malachi told me who had the gold. Malachi said that the silver and the gold are mine, saith the Lord. Which is why God could appropriately promise you that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm going to need some help in here on Sunday. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. Stop seeking the gold. Start seeking God. And if you get God and go after God and God can trust you, he'll put the gold in, y'all ain't helping me, he'll put the gold in your hand. But most people don't want to seek God. They don't want to depend on God. And God says, I am your source, I am your provider, I am your peace, I'm the one that'll make a way, and yet so many times we want God to be healer, 
We want God to be deliverer. We want God to be marriage fixer. We want God to be child fixer. And when it comes to money, we don't want God to put his nose in our business. And you and I must recognize this spirit is trying to attach itself even to the disciples of Jesus. You live and I live in a world that is attached to a monetary system. Oh, God help me here, Holy Ghost. That wants us to depend on people more than we depend on God. I'm not going to get no help. In fact, I'm about to make some enemies right here. But I want to tell you that at the end of the day, people are not your source. Don't get mad at me. But the government is not your source. Too many people have put their hope in the American government. They put their hope in sugar daddies and sugar mamas. And somebody will bail me out. And at the end of the day, there will come a time where people will not bail you out of the mess you're in. You're going to have to find out if you got faith to believe God. Oh, God, help me. When Jesus comes, the Bible asks a question, will he find faith? We live in a country that wants to take your ability to trust God. So when we run out of money trying to produce the kind of lifestyle we all want to live, we just print some more money. We pass another stimulus. Y'all ain't liking what I'm saying, but at the end of the day, my hope is not from the left, the right, the Republicans, the Democrats, voted politicians. My help comes from the, I'm gonna say this, my help comes my help comes from the Lord. I feel a spirit working on some of your minds right now. The devil wants you to trust in people. The devil wants you to trust in systems. He wants to rob you of your ability to trust God. But if you let God do it, God will make you the head and not the tail. God will make you above and not beneath. And when God blesses you, you won't owe nobody for your blessing. That is not to say that we should not be benevolent. That is not to say we shouldn't provide systems of social and structural care for our people. But what I'm telling you as the people of God is at the end of the day, if you got more hope in that than you do in the goodness of God, you trust in mammon. The spirit of mammon, the DNA of it, it came out of the Babylonian culture, a culture that tried to reach God without depending on God, tried to reach heaven without depending on God. Let me help you understand something. If you want more money because you want more peace of mind, you'll never have peace of mind when you get more money. Peace doesn't come. I know what, I know what it feels like when the bills are paid. Anybody know what, how good it feels to be able to pay your bills and have some left over? Come on, tell me. Talk to me. How do know that's a good feeling? But the difference between that feeling and the absolute drive to have more so that you don't have to worry is the difference between the spirit of mammon and the spirit of God. Let me teach you something about money. Money is a neutral thing. Anybody got a dollar? 50 cent, a case quarter, two dimes and a nickel. Y'all don't know these movies. Yes, thank you. 
this fine? What is that, 1220? Thank you. You got something? Okay, I'm kidding. Everybody see this $20 bill? This $20 bill is not evil. This $20 bill is neutral. It only becomes righteous or evil when it's put into the hand of the person who will use it. There is a spirit on every piece of money, every bank account in this room. There's a spirit on all the money in this room. And you and I determine what spirit that is. If we take this and see this as peace and joy and, and this is our source of security, if we see this and we think this is this is all I need more of. I want to tell you, in discerning the spirit of mammon, you know it's working when you start feeling better, the more of this you have. I'm not going to get no help here. You, you start feeling more confident. I'm, I got nothing wrong with you getting more. I'm going somewhere, but hear me. If this is all your peace is attached to, if this is all your joy is attached to, if you wake up early and stay up late and don't have no family and don't have no friends, all because you keep chasing this, I want you to discern something. The spirit of mammon is trying to rob you of trusting God. Because some of us shout better when we got more money in the bank. But I'm thankful that God helped me don't know how to shop when I didn't have no money in the bank and he still paid my bills. I can't find no help in this church on Sunday. I want to thank God that while I'm blessed in this season that I'm in, I remember a season where I didn't have many $20 bills. I didn't even have two dimes to rub together, but I had the oil on my life and I had victory in my soul and my sins were as far as the east is from the west. You got to understand that true joy in peace is not just about having more Benjamins. It is about having more of his blessing on your life. How do you discern when the spirit of mammon is working against you? I'm going to teach you this. When you start worrying about your financial situation more than you do trusting God, don't let me, you back up. When you start worrying about your financial situation more than you do trusting God and putting your confidence in his promises, mammon is on the loose. And what we have in the church of the living God are people who are seeking the gold and not the glory. When I read the Pauline epistles, seven times in the Pauline epistles, Paul talks about the riches of his goodness, the riches of his grace, the riches of his mercy. I want you to understand something. How many of y'all know God? Lift your hand if you know God. God is the richest person you know. Can I help you understand something today? God ain't broke, busted, 
or disgusted. God isn't trying to run around heaven with a Ford Tempo held together by Christian bumper stickers. He's not broke down. God is not in trouble. God is not coming up with a rescue plan. He don't have to bankrupt heaven to meet your needs. God is the richest person you know. How do I know this? Because God is not in one continent owning planet, a piece of that planet, that, and then you've got uh, someone else on the other continent owning another piece of property. Let me help you understand something. All of the seven continents have one owner. Now you might be a steward of something and have your own little piece of the pie, but let me help you understand that the earth is not yours. The earth is not Joe's. The earth is not Donald's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If God gave you anything, it's only because he's good. You and I were entitled to nothing. I feel like preaching in this room today. You better get a spirit of thanksgiving on you. Every time you close on a house, every time you're able to get another car, every time you're able to do something you couldn't previously do, stop thinking it was your boss that gave you the promotion. Start thanking God that did it. He was the one that shared his goodness. Watch your neighbor tell your neighbor, God's been good to me. Oh, I know I'm not where I'm going yet, but God's been good to me. I know I don't have as much as you yet, but God's been good to me. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. So, so discerning mammon. How do you discern it? Because to mammon works in two ways, greed and anxiety. Greed and anxiety. It'll want you, it'll get you wanting more and more and more. Or it'll get you more and more worried, more and more worried, more and more worried till you stop trusting his promise and you start operating in your flesh to get more. This is happening in the church. You say, I don't know if it's happening. It's happening in the church. People running up credit card bills. You talk about tithe and they look at you like they was baptizing a post hole in pickle juice for a year. You talk about tithe and they look, One of them money preachers, one of them money preachers, talk about it two times a year, one of them money preachers. Wallace is one of them money preachers. And when the credit card company sends you a bill for 33% interest, because we bought four purses and four pair of shoes that we couldn't afford, but we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and show people how awesome we are. And I wanna tell you, despite your cute Jordans and your nice Gucci purse that you're paying 40% interest on, they still ain't looking at you and they still ain't talking about how you all that in the bag of chips, they don't even care. We are killing ourselves trying to live a lifestyle that the devil has tried to create. Is he against me having nice? I hope you have the nicest stuff you can imagine. I hope you're able to live in the nicest house, drive the nicest car, do what you, I hope that for you. I got no hate. If you ever get something nice, how many know haters show up? Eating hater chips, drinking haterade, and eating hater tots. 
We all got haters, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is not about people hating on you. This is about us not having the discipline to steward what God is giving us and see with a long-term perspective that if I pay the price and keep my priorities in order right now, God will bless me in my future. And one day, if I do it right, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. How many ever saved up for something? Don't it feel good to save it and pay for it? It feels altogether different when you bought it and you know you couldn't afford it. And you get it home and you, oh. Be careful. Be careful that the spirit of mammon doesn't attract you to its pot of gold and get you to leave trusting in God. DNA of mammon, it's a spirit rooted and developed and birthed out of a culture that wants you to live life and have a great one without trusting God. Anything you get that causes you to trust God less, give it back. That's decent. Anything you get that causes you to trust God less, give it back. There, there were seasons in the journey of pastoring this church for these 20 years. There were times, I'm just telling y'all, I'm being completely transparent. I, I was having anxiety. We were in the middle of a $2.8 million building program in Ottawa, and God said, I want you to build a half a million dollar orphanage in Guatemala. And we need to, we need to build a church planting institute in Uruguay. And we need to launch a new inner city campus over on 4th Avenue, all at the same time. So I'm like, you know what, God? That don't make no sense. I'm already stressed out about $2.8 million, and you're trying to get me to three more building projects. God was trying to get me to see. He's not just trying to pay my bills. He's trying to get me to trust him. Anytime you get into a place where you can keep on doing the same thing you're doing, keep on having success, and you haven't felt those faith muscles exercised in a while, God will give you a faith project. Because if you ever get in cruise control mode and I can coast and I don't need God for this life I'm living, oh God, curse the day that we can live the life we're living and not have to depend on Jesus. So discerning this thing, greed and anxiety will drive you to pursue mammon more than you pursue God. Want more, want more, want more, want more, want more. You know what? I don't ever tell these stories. And I'm fam we're family. If y'all get mad at me, y'all just had to get mad at me. I'm going to tell the story anyway. I used to be so, I had two suits in my whole closet when I started preaching. One was electric blue. It was made out of nylon. The lapels were shining because I ironed it so bad. That suit looked like it ran on batteries. It was the loudest suit you've ever seen in your life. My dad, I brought it home. My daddy said, son, what is this? Tim Ashley, you let me preach in your pulpit with that blue suit on. People saw me coming three miles away. I had one pair of two-tone black and white shoes, wore the flat bottom out of them and had myself the best time preaching at all them churches growing up. 
And I remember one time, God told me to buy a pair of shoes for another preacher. I needed shoes myself. And I bought that preacher a pair of shoes like he needed another pair of shoes. Here I am with a hole in the bottom of my shoes. Do you know that since I did that when I was probably 20 years old, I ain't never had to want for shoes and suits in my life. Never. Now, you, so some people say, oh, I see you up there with them Gucci tennis shoes on. I didn't buy these shoes. Somebody brought these shoes and brought them to me and said, I feel like the Lord wanted you to have these shoes. Now, let me tell you something. I'm wearing a pair of Gucci tennis shoes today. And you know why I'm telling you that? Because somebody already asked me, he's preaching on mammon and wearing a pair of Gucci tennis shoes. Somebody else paid for these tennis shoes. So, so let me tell you this. When you don't have to have it, God will let you have it. I wore hold up nasty broke down shoes so long and when somebody blessed me with another pair of shoes I didn't say I ain't taking those I said oh look what the Lord has done when you don't have to have it God will let you have it but don't go chasing this stuff if you chase God that stuff will chase you and if it don't, you never care. Because Let me go here because I'm about to be done. But true riches, everybody say true riches. See, see, mammon has its own pile of riches and it wants you to think that's what you need to chase. But Paul talked about the riches of his glory, the riches of his grace, the riches of his mercy. Here's what I found out. God is the wealthiest man you'll ever meet and he ain't stingy with any of it if you will pursue him. He said, if you seek first my kingdom, I'll take care of everything else. Why? Because if you have me and all you want is me, I never have to worry about wealth having you. So how do we deal with it? I'm glad you asked. How do we deal with mammon? When mammon starts tapping on our shoulder and starts saying, I want you to trust in me. I want you to trust in me. How do I deal with mammon? I give my way out of the path of mammon. This is a true story. When I start feeling materialism trying to tap on my shoulder, Devin and I just find something to bless and give. Because I never want that spirit to think it can have my attention more than the kingdom of God. Never. There are some people, when mammon comes tapping them on the shoulder and they get greedy or they get anxious, they start making bad decisions. Let me help you understand something. When mammon comes and taps you on the shoulder and wants you to get anxious or greedy, keep your covenant with God established by generosity. I always cite this because it made such a profound impact on my life. Deacon Farmer preached a message years ago about stewardship and tithing and how tithing was not a debt. Tithing was an act of covenant with the king that you trust. I don't tithe because if I don't tithe, the church is not going to pay its bills. I tithe because I want God to know you are my source. When I pay my tithe, what is the tithe? And I have to say this, not, not in some insulting way, but we have precious new believers who never heard of tithing. I didn't hear of tithing until I was 17 years old. My mom and dad took me to church every Sunday, every Wednesday night. 
I got saved every Wednesday. I got saved every Sunday. For 18 years, I never heard one sermon on giving. And we thought that was spiritual. And the church was broken. The people in the church were broken. Everybody was hurting. And it's because everybody wanted God, but people didn't want to demonstrate trust. How else would I say to God, you are my source, than to give him a portion of what he's blessed me with? When I give the 10%, which is what a tithe is, that's his. The 90% left over then becomes blessed. I'd rather have 90% blessed than 100% cursed. Now you say, Pastor, are you telling me God will curse me if I don't, God will curse me if I don't pay tithes? I'm telling you, your money isn't blessed if you don't give it back to the God who blessed you with it. If you don't, if you don't tithe today, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you you're cursed. I'm just telling you, your money has a different spirit on it. When I give that 10% to God, it sanctifies the whole loaf. Boy, I got it quiet in here on Sunday. Oh, I'm coming back. People are like, I'm coming back next Sunday shouting, but I can't shout this. We need to all be able to shout over this message. Because when you pass this test, you can pass it all. How do I know that? I'm done with this. Look at, open your Bible back to Luke 16 real quick. Let me show you how to deal with it. I'm talking about how to deal with it. The DNA of it, discerning it, and then finally, how do you deal with mammon? Here's what Jesus says. Take mammon. Take unrighteous money. Take the, take, the, take the mammon of this world. Look at verse number nine. Make friends for yourself with unrighteous mammon. For when you fail. Everyone say when you fail. That is in the Greek the word for dying or expiring. He said use unrighteous mammon so that when you die or your life expires, you may receive an everlasting home. What is he talking about? I believe, and many other people believe this as well, that what he's talking about is using the material things God has blessed you with to make a difference in lives, to win people, to build kingdom family, to do things for the kingdom of God, to make friends. When you take unrighteous, unholy money and you use it to bless other people's lives, when you expire, you'll have an entrance given into an everlasting kingdom. Let me say this to you. I believe you ought to give wherever God leads you to give, but I believe the first place you ought to give is your local church, wherever that is. Well, I, I support all, all kinds of ministries. I do too. But the tithe I bring to the storehouse. Above and beyond the tithe is what we would call offering. Do you know that every time you bring tithes and offerings and you give even beyond this local church, wherever you give to the kingdom of God, do you know you're making a difference in lives? How many have ever blessed a missionary? Do you know every time that missionary wins a soul, you have that soul on your account? 
Do you know when you get to heaven, I do believe this, when you and I get to heaven one day, we will see people who came into the kingdom of God as a result of our generosity, helping missionaries, ministers, preachers, pastors, apostles, authors, write books, uh, singers who sing. If we ever blessed and helped people, we will be ushered into an eternal dwelling place. And people who were changed as a result of our dedication and serving to, servanthood to God, those people I believe one day will meet in heaven. I believe we'll spend eternity with people who would have never known about Jesus had it not been for your generosity. How do we deal with mammon? We decide we're going to serve God and we're going to trust God. All my eggs are in Jesus' basket. I don't have any other hope. You look at this world, do you understand how close we are to a cashless society? Do you know what these people are trying to do in the nations, not just our crazy nation, the nations of the earth? They are trying to create, and you think I'm crazy, call me that doom and gloom guy, oh, he's up there talking about the end of time. You better talk about the end of time because we're living in it. They're trying to create a cashless society where everybody will have to go through them and their system in order to buy and sell. Do you see where mammon is coming from? It is the spirit of the Antichrist. You can't buy and sell. Imagine the book of Revelation coming to pass in your lifetime. You cannot buy and sell unless you have accepted their mark, their mammon, their spirit. That's why I'm going to stick with sowing and reaping. The world system operates on buying and selling. The, the kingdom of God operates on sowing and reaping. You don't have to buy God's blessing. You just have to walk in covenant with God and make him first. If you walk in covenant with God and keep him first, God will do crazy stuff. You don't have to have more money. What if one day the money you have ain't worth the paper it's written on? But I'll tell you this, when the day comes and the money you have is not worth the paper it's written on, the God that you serve and the God you put first will talk to ravens and make them bring meat and bread and put it by you. Y'all don't hear what I'm telling you. I'm trying to tell you, you better make up your mind on Sunday morning in April. You better, May, whatever it is, you better tell the devil of mammon, you will not have my trust. I will not bow my knee to you. I've got all my eggs in Jesus' back. I believe he'll bless me coming in. Come on in here, church. I believe he'll bless me coming out. I believe he's going to take care of me and my family. I don't just believe it. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. He is the king of my life. I'll put him first in everything. I'll trust him to open up the door that no man can shut. How many know God is in the business of blessing his people? There are some people still mad that I talked about not trusting the government. But the government is not your source. Get your mind out of that gutter and start trusting God. If you'll trust God, I'm telling you right now, you won't have to worry about your rent. You will own the whole duplex and they have to pay you rent. You're not hearing what I'm telling you. I'm trying to get your mind out of this little feeble pattern of thinking and get you to see that the earth is the Lord's. And if I know how to steward what he gave me, he'll be able to trust me with more.
And whatever you do, don't bend your knee and begin to worship mammon. Because Paul told Timothy, and I'm through, stand with me, I'm through preaching here. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy, because people have gone after the riches of this world, listen to me, they have pierced their heart through with many sorrows. You gotta get the order right. It's not seek ye first the gold and God will bless your life. It's seek ye first God and his kingdom. You won't ever have to worry. I tell you this, if you haven't heard me teach this before, God does not operate on dollars and cents and the currency of the American government. He operates on provision. Because what you gonna tell a brother over in some Latin American country that don't know dollars, he knows pesos. How many know God will give him more pesos if that's what he needs? But it's beyond, it's beyond the tangible dollar or the peso or the euro or whatever it is. It's called provision. Because God don't even need to give you dollars to get you what you need. God will start talking to crazy stuff like fish. You don't hear what I'm telling you. I'm trying to get you to get your mind off mammon and get your mind back on Bosh. Get your mind back on God. If you seek first the kingdom, God will start talking to fish who swallowed a coin from the bottom of a lake. When it's time to pay your tax bill, you keep waiting on somebody to walk up and hand you a, a coin to go pay your tax bill. Jesus didn't say wait on somebody to hand you some money. Jesus said go fishing and I'll do something when you're fishing that you couldn't do while you're trying to raise all your money. You gotta learn how to trust God. Trusting. Trusting. I want to tell you what I feel in my spirit regarding the future. I know some of y'all are not going to like this and you're going to leave today and I don't want it to be a sour note because if you trust God, it don't have to be sour. But this mess ain't getting no better. Well, we're waiting it on. You know, God going to turn it around. The Bible said evil men will get worse and worse. Feel that wet blanket? You know why we feel that way? Because we keep hoping this mammon thing is going to work out for us. And God said, no. You're moving into territory where you're going to have to trust me. And if you trust him, I prophesy this over your life. Lack will never be your problem. You trust this world and its system? Do you see what happened when one virus was released? How they shut the whole thing down. Y'all not liking me right now. I feel that. Ooh. Get that thing off me, Jesus. I'm throwing it back on you. They shut the whole thing down. Why? Because it's their system. They create the rules. You and I have to abide by them, so they said. But I'm going to tell you right now, before I go to my car, I want you to understand this. I'm not playing in their system, and I don't have to play by their rules. Because they're not my source. 
Kobashaya. I feel the Holy Ghost. I wish somebody would get a praise on your lips right now if you believe they are not your source. I want you to shout to the God that has already promised to make you the head and never the tail. I need somebody to praise God that you believe your family, your church, your children, your grandchildren are going to be all right. Rain only matters to those who have seed in the ground. I'm going to try that one more time for the musicians. Rain only matters to those who have seed in the ground. Yeah. Why do you keep sowing in seasons like this? Because you're going to need harvest in a season like that. And when people don't know where to run for help, they're going to give their soul to mammon. And those of us who trust God are going to give our hearts over and over again to him and trust him all the way to the end, even in death itself. I just heard him remind me, you can't kill a dead man. If you'll die to passions of this world and this life right now, I'm going to tell you, don't ever let the devil threaten you and tell you he'll kill you. You can't kill somebody who's already died to this thing. If you're dead to self and dead to mammon and alive in God, don't ever let the devil make you stay up late at night. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Let me give you this scripture. Let me give you this scripture on your way to get some fried chicken because I know you got to go eat. But let me remind you of what Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter. When he starts talking about Matthew, uh, when, Ma when he starts talking about mammon in Matthew's gospel, look at what's very, very immediately next after the mammon speech. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either will hate the one and love the other. He will despise the one and he will love the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. What's the next verse? Therefore, everybody holler, therefore. Therefore, I say unto you, do not worry about life. You, what you will eat, what you will drink, your body, don't worry about what kind of clothes you wear. Is not life more than food and body for more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I feel faith rising in this room right now. You better stop acting like a bunch of paupers. You better stop acting like a bunch of stepchildren you better start acting like your daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills if he feeds the sparrows I don't know how he's gonna do it but he's gonna make sure your plate is full he's gonna make sure there's a roof over your head he's gonna take care of you if you want to trust him like you never trusted him before lift those hands up all over this room God I rebuke I hear your Holy Spirit. I rebuke the spirit of mammon from attacking and attaching itself over anxiety, greed, all of this drive for more stuff. And we've lost our pursuit of you. God, I thank you that life is more than what meal we will eat next. Life is more than the clothes we will wear tomorrow. Father, you take care of the sparrows. You will take care of your children. You are not a man. 
sin that you should lie or the son of man that you would change your mind if you made your children a promise you will perform it I need somebody to wave your hands and begin to worship him come on I will not bend my knee to mammon we will not bend our knee to the spirit of riches of this world why would we do it when the God that we serve is the wealthiest person on the entire universe he owns it all he's going to take care of your needs and today today we lift our hands to you God to declare that we trust you one more time I want you to do something right now I know this is going to be a little different here and I'm not trying to do some you know mass deliverance thing although I believe in that but here's what I want you to do I want you to reach over and just lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder and I want you to say this Father it, just in some way don't, I don't want you to copy me but here's what I want to give you some instruction on I just want us to pray for one another today that the spirit of mammon that's trying to attach itself to our lives would be broken off our brother and sister right now. Come on. Father, we pray for one another. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift we, we need to trust you deeper. This morning is a heart check, Lord. This morning is a heart check, Lord. We're asking you right now. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. We're asking you right now in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would break off of our lives the power, the power of mammon, the drive for more, the drive to be anxious and to worry. Lord, the unnecessary laying up at night trying to figure this thing out. God, today we're going to trust you like we never trusted you. And we're going to honor you like we never honored you. We will not bow our knee to the spirit of mammon. We will only bow our knee to the to the king of glory. You've been faithful. You've been faithful. You've been faithful. I need you to do something. You know me, I don't do this. I've never done this. I hardly ever do this. I don't want to say never. I hardly ever do this right here. But I feel in this moment, I don't care if it's a quarter, a dollar, a five, a ten, a hundred, a thousand, a million, whatever you got. If it's a dollar bill and all you got's a dollar, if it's a twenty, whatever you got, I believe every person in this place right now just needs to give an offering to say on this Sunday morning, this is just a reminder that I am yours and you are mine. Come on, that's right. I I don't care if it's a dollar. I seriously am not asking you for, for the biggest thing. I'm, I'm asking you for the heart thing. Whatever's in your heart to say, God, you're the source. I'm talking to college students. I'm talking to high school students. I'm talking to seasoned saints living on a fixed income. Before I leave this building today, Bishop, I need to say to God, to God, you can give online, you can give by text, you can bring a quarter and put it in the offering. I don't care what you do. I want you to bring something to God and say, I'm trusting you. I'm not going to trust this world or its system I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna trust your kingdom I'm gonna trust you I'm gonna trust your word I'm gonna trust your system and how you operate I just want you to come and say this morning God you're my king and can we just lift our hands one more time before we leave and thank him for his faithfulness in our life thank him for his faithfulness in our life Lord you provided for me and my family all these years and I believe you're not finished taking care of us yet 
Come on, if you believe he's not finished taking care of your family and you, I want you to lift your hands and praise him all over this room. Oh, we praise you. We give you glory. Yes, we do. God, we give you thanks. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you worship. We give you worship. We give you worship. Come on, worshipers, and just lift your hands. Oh, let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. So let the church say amen. How many are going to trust God? How many are going to put your confidence in God? Oh, sing it again. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. Let the church Amen. Hallelujah. I once was young, said the psalmist, and now I am old, and never have I seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. How many know God is going to take care of you and your family? Say amen, somebody. Let's give him the best praise we've given him. Somebody going to put trust in him right there, right there, right there. Trust him. Trust him. I bless you. I bless your family. I bless your future and I bless your journey this week. May it be steps that are ordered of God, doors that are open that no man can shut, doors that are shut that no man can open. May the goodness of God go before you and surround you in all your ways. May you break out on the left and the right this coming week. May increase hit your house and may all the glory go to God. In Jesus' name, if you're blessed and you know it, somebody say amen. Come on, let's give him praise. We love you. Go in the peace of God. We will see you this coming Wednesday at 7 p.m. Don't forget to register for Friday night. Go in the blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. 
You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.